LaMelo Ball was special in this one, and the Hornets needed it. They finally get a win and stop the bleeding. We'll talk all about it today with David Walker on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, and that includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. You usually can catch me on WFNZ from 12 to 3. I've been out the last couple of days because I've been sick, but tomorrow Aww. I'll be going back there. I know. Thank you. And as you could hear, I actually called my boss the other day, called Jeff and said, hey, man, I, I think I can go. And he said, honestly, Walker, if you sound like that, I don't want you going on there. I was like, okay, wow. Good call, Jeff. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. (laughs) But it hasn't stopped me from doing Locked On Hornets. That's also Doug Branson. You can catch his Substack every Hornets box score on everyhornetsboxscore.com. And that is the Sultan of Sneakers himself, David Walker. Follow him on Twitter, at David B. Walker. David, we get to talk about a win, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling like you guys are sounding. We all stayed up past midnight to watch that uh, exciting <laughs> win. But, hey, Yikes. we can't complain now. We can't complain about this one. We appreciate David for starting with somewhat of an insult there. And with that, we'll move <laughs> on. Um, yeah, man, LaMelo Ball was awesome in this game. I mean, it's the it's it's something that he's been doing ever since he came back from injury. We talked about this even leading into this Kings contest where he has not had the rust as far as the shooting goes. And sure enough, that continues in this one against Sacramento. So the Hornets, they win 125 to 119. It was the second night of a back-to-back. And especially with that game being in Denver the night before, maybe added added um, toughness to have to get through for mm-hmm. the Charlotte Hornets team. Maybe I'm making stuff up, but it's tough, right? I mean, no, no, it's elevated. It's, the, it's elevation my, out there. Absolutely. So the fact that the... Hornets were able to get that victory. It's big. LaMelo plays 27 minutes, 9 of 19 from the field, 23 points, 12 assists, and had a lot of assists early, and then he kind of divvied this game up into two halves, right? First, he was facilitating at a high level. Then he started scoring at a high level. Um, did foul out, but, you know, we'll get to that in just a moment. But, uh, David, what 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 do you make of uh, LaMelo's performance? Yeah, maybe they do need to just sit him for like big portions of the first half so he doesn't fell out because that seemed to work a little better. But then he fouled out anyway last night, so maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, that was as aggressive as I've seen LaMelo, and I think it really trickled down to a lot of the team. I mean, uh, that was the most aggressive I've seen Gordon Hayward uh, outwardly in a long time. And uh, LaMelo, man, talk about just elite you know, not only just uh, shooting, but shot making, right? And all those baskets they they obviously needed, but they felt huge. And the three pointers were killer. Uh, his three pointers are almost felt like dunks. You know, they're just ripping the net. And he was really in the groove last night, especially in that third quarter. I mean, that's the kind of leap you talk about wanting to see this season. He's only played what a handful of games, so we haven't seen it. But man, maybe if that's the start of something then that's a big boost for that team. But, yeah, he was just awesome. I mean, that third quarter was worth staying up for uh, by itself. Doug, the Hornets needed something special. It was nice to see a victory, but also because of the way that LaMelo played in a couple of different facets of the game. Yeah, I think skill and strategy are the two words that come to mind when I think about what LaMelo did last night. In terms of skill, I mean, there were so many plays. And, we, you know, 16 points in the fourth quarter, that's pretty amazing. 
But I like to go back to the third quarter and talk about some of the work that he was doing on the drive. The, the, there was a, a play at the 750 mark in the third quarter where he puts a little hezzy dribble move and then gets it off the glass on Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis had no idea how to guard it. It was just like a move that I'm like, man, only a couple of guys in the league can do what he just did with the dribble, with his with his footwork. Like it was just amazing. And then shortly followed by at the 5:30 mark, he has a putback dunk on a McDaniel's mm. miss. Was, like I don't know that I've and Clifford after the game said he didn't know if he had seen Lamelo do that before. Like he's just pulling stuff out of the bag at this point uh, and surprise and continuing to surprise us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the three-point shooting, as as David said, was devastating for Sacramento in the fourth quarter. And the strategy part, as you were talking about there, Walker, he was looking to make assists in the first half because, well, I think, number one, because of the foul trouble, because he had to be a little less aggressive with his uh, driving, but also because Sacramento was really shading him hard, throwing double teams at him. It was obvious that they had you know, come in to this game going, all right, we got to stop LaMelo because if we stop him, then we stop the Hornets offense. And that's a good call. But by the third and the fourth quarter, you saw them laxing that strategy a little bit. And by the fourth quarter, he finally had some space to knock down three-point shots. And he did so. And it was beautiful. You mentioned the dunk. LaMelo will hunt these putbacks. And there is Mm -hmm. another time he did give us a fantastic putback. Do you remember the one against Indiana? When then afterwards Mm -hmm. he stood in the paint and then did the on top of the head celebration. I Mm -hmm. think that led to the high-low soundbite that will play to change into some of these segments that will play sometimes. Where I said he'll go low and then he'll sometimes go high. That's LaMelo. Got one last night. And then that stretch that I tweeted out. So 540, Hornets are only up a couple, comes down, hits a three. Keegan Murray hits a three on the other end to answer. Jalen McDaniels misses a three. Sacramento doesn't score. And then LaMelo comes back down, hits another three-pointer. The very next offensive possession is LaMelo hitting Mason Plumley from the half-court line for an alley-oop. And the Hornets are suddenly up seven points. That stretch right there... That gave them the cushion. Now, Jordan Hayward had the biggest play of the game. Steve Clifford said that. I know that's something you agree with, Doug, as you put in the rundown. The the Gordon Hayward shot, getting to a spot inside the paint, pivoting a couple of times, and then hitting just a little bit of a fadeaway to put them up two possessions. That was huge. But I thought that stretch right there at the 540 mark going inside four minutes where LaMelo was just making all things happen to provide them a seven-point cushion, I thought that was a monstrous sequence. What did you think, David? Yeah, uh, th- I, I want to say something about that Mason Plumley alley oop. That was as impressive to me as as any half court alley, which sounds crazy, <laughs> but he put it right on the money. And Plumley oh, yeah. was running full sprint. I was like, "There's no way he's going to get this," even though he's a great athlete and can jump up. That play was uh, blew my mind, honestly. And I think I, I think I said the third quarter before, but you guys mentioned it, it was the fourth quarter where he kind of went off. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just making things happen and like the Plumley play was, was one of my favorites, but Gordon Hayward, man, I mean, he got caught on a traveling uh, violation a couple possessions before and was really demonstrative towards the ref. I have not seen that out of him. He was basically saying, that's my move. That's my move. <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. Okay. But it that's worked. Not, you don't it call worked. That. That it that did, worked because he traveled you know, we, on the. I think he traveled. Right, the second one the was second a one. far worse travel. The first one probably far was a, a little worse. bit one, but that second one, yeah, he dragged his pivot foot right through the garden. It was and, crazy. And, and they called him on a. 
in my opinion, very questionable moving screen. Another emphasis on moving screen on a play late yeah. in the game, which I, I probably wouldn't have blown the whistle on that. So I think they owed him two, and, and, See, and they made up for it. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I thought the first travel, I I thought that was a real lame travel call. Like yeah. I thought, I thought that mm-hmm. pivot foot where Gordon was, was so mad. Up. Like that's that that's the part of the officials calling travels more so that just makes me so angry because mm-hmm. it's like holding in football. They do it on every single play. Mm-hmm. If you pivot, if you want to bring out your pivot. microscope, you are going to be able to see the foot move just a tiny bit. And I thought every that's time. what happened with Gordon. The second one was worse. The, the moving screen. <laughs> it really I, was. No, it I'm was, sorry. It I'm really sorry. You just gave me. You just gave me this mental image of like the referee with one of those little tiny like telescopes that they're looking at the feet. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> yes. Pay attention to me. I'm yes. the official that made this call. Absolutely. I saw it move a little bit. The moving screen. The only reason it it kind of goes down to this Lamelo uh, fouling out situation where he swipes down. There are some things where you have to help yourselves. And I think Gordon Hayward, he chicken wings it a little bit. So on that screen, yeah, yeah I get it. But like the the pivot, mm. it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon probably could have caught it, probably could have gotten called for a million travels, right? Like you can't lunge out. And I think he elbowed like chicken winged a little bit. And it's the same thing with Lamelo. Lamelo, it, it turned out to be a foul. We got one camera yeah. angle that proved it. And for a while, it was extremely questionable. But the last camera angle they showed proved it was LaMelo fouling. Man, you can't swipe down. And it's something that we've talked about a lot with LaMelo. The entire team. Like, yeah, the entire then, team's no, doing absolutely. it. But LaMelo specifically, he's the team leader. Absolutely. He can't He can't do that. So, yeah, Doug. I mean, we, you and I have talked about literally that same thing before. It's, it's the last thing that needs to come to LaMelo's game. Because it, it can't just be all these officials' fault, right? Like, it, it's not everybody else's fault but mm-hmm. LaMelo's. It, it's not him not getting star calls or getting benefit of the doubt. There's some of that in there, yes. But it's also Darren Fox beat you. I mean, I, but, how but, effective is that play going to be? Yeah, but but the sixth foul that he commit and not and the fifth foul, which was another, I think, uh, was another reach on Fox. The, to me, around. Yeah. Y- yeah, to me, those – uh, to me, those aren't. I thought the pro- it's Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, those aren't the problem fouls. You don't want to. You obviously don't want to do that. But you. But those aren't the problem fouls. It's the first, second, and third foul that happen early in the game that are the yeah. real problem because they they tend to happen like in transition when he's made an error and he's trying to make up for it by getting a steal. But but the problem with those early fouls is they put you in that situation late in the game when if you do foul, you foul out. But more importantly, we haven't seen his steal numbers be very high. Uh, we haven't seen his rebounding numbers be very high. And I think a lot of that is because of the early foul trouble, getting him into situations where he can't play the aggressive, amazing LaMelo style of play that we love to see him play because he's got to think about the fouling situation. And then even with all that, he still fouls out. So it's yeah. it's, it's the one issue he really – you know, we talked a lot about early in the season he was going to come in and put a focus on, you know, drawing fouls. But I think he really has got to step back and, and put a focus on not committing these fouls because that's not that's not what all NBA players do. They don't take themselves out of these type of games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he only had two against Atlanta and Denver, but he had six against Detroit and Sacramento. Remember the first game he played, he had five coming back against Miami after the first injury. So these seem to be mentality situations where he's like, all right, screw it. I'm just to be, about to be mad aggressive and 
defensively. And there are a few games now where he got close to fouling out and twice where he actually did. We'll talk plenty more in mostly celebrating LaMelo. The fouls are the only thing. LaMelo was incredible last night against the Sacramento Kings. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug is going to empty the notebook. He'll talk to you about some of the other things that he noticed in this game. Plus, Kelly Oubre, plenty of other role players to get to. Teo finished it out. Nick Richards, awesome, just slamming everything. And Kelly Oubre led all Hornets in scoring with 31 points. So plenty more of analysis on all of those other players that had a big impact in this victory. This episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and even Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or even holiday. And you can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on, see how it fits in your everyday life. Mini Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. Is Locked On Hornets. I'm glad we have YouTube now for everybody to see just how bulked you are. Can you give us a gun show flash real quick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, man. Look, 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 look at that oh, drape. That's 100% grade A. Look, here I am Arm. doing it. I, look at these noodle arms right here. Look, they just flow. We got it. This is a listen. Yep. Yeah. If you want long, chicken wings, yeah, if you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. <laughs> YouTube.com yeah. I mean, forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen. Now make your next listen, Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Doug, we'll start with you. Who are a couple of other players you wanted to talk about? There are a few to choose from, so let's go to the next guy on the list. LaMelo has to be one. Gordon with another game back from injury coming up with a huge bucket. Maybe he was your second guy who is somebody else you want to put up on deck. Yeah. That Gordon shot with, with a minute to go. Clifford said it was the play of the game. I think it was the play of the game because it comes after we didn't mention it comes after De'Aaron Fox went on a one man seven Oh run. I mean that, and it cut it to two, like that was a moment when that game could have gone to Sacramento and instead uh, Gordon hits a sort of playoff level shot. That's kind of the shot that I always thought they brought Gordon in to make, and and he makes it and has an efficient night overall. But but the other guys that I think we have to talk about are two guys that I thought made serious cases for being a a starter for this team, and that's Kelly Oubre, who did start in place of Terry Rozier, who was out with a bruised hip. Uh, he pours in 31 points. You know, we we talk about Lamelo, and he was incredible in the fourth quarter, but Kelly was really incredible throughout the entire game. And, and and was the points leader. And then also Nick Richards, uh, still backup center, still getting uh, the double-doubles from the backup position, but, but a throwback game, I thought. One of his best games since the beginning of the season. Uh, I thought he really made a case, too, that, that he deserves at least more minutes, if not a, a starting role on this team. What do you think, yeah. uh, David? Do you think Kelly should be starting? 
Uh, well, you know, it's interesting with Kelly. Sometimes you think that you like to have that energy coming off the bench. Um, so that was one thing that was wild to me to see him go for, go for those 31 points last night uh, in place of Terry. But I was really impressed with his rebounding as well, nine rebounds. And what they did last night that I haven't seen them do is close out those possessions. You know, so many times in these games, it's it's yeah. it's one possession. It's one bounce. It's one ball. They just can't corral. And there were a couple uh, last night that just got kicked out of bounds. <laughs> there was a stretch there where they just couldn't hold on to the ball. But when it counted down the stretch, you know, they did get they did get some stops when it wasn't in Fox's hands and they were able to snag the rebound. Uh, but Kelly, that that scoring punch, man, honestly, has he been the MVP for this team this season? I mean, look, I know the wins are, are few and far between, but he's been as solid as they come for them and not just on offense. I mean, he's gotten his hands on a lot of balls, the deflections leader. Um, so he's been yeah. great for this team. Well, that's, a, that's such a good point you make about finishing possessions because I thought Kelly's defensive rebound at the end of the game through two yep. Sacramento uh, uh, players was was one of those plays they haven't been making all season. Now, unfortunately, the Hornets couldn't get it inbounded and, and turned it over there at the end of the game. I thought they were going to completely uh, blow the game. Um, and I just can't believe they couldn't get it inbounded twice, end up turning it over, and Sacramento scores. And why was Mason Plumley on the floor? Like, you knew they were going to foul. Well, like, why, why was – that wave just, is coming, guys. I mean, I don't know if you were following along on the Twitter sphere last night, but the calls for Nick Richards to stay in the game and for Plumlee to stay closer to the bench uh, are coming. And, I mean, you see it last night with Richards on those aggressive moves to the basket. I mean, the reverse dunk. You know, yeah, I don't awesome. think every matchup is going to be great for him, but he is making his case for sure just with his length and, and the activity he does on the boards and having someone in there that can get up, you know, I mean, it's, it's a big boost. And I think you're right, Doug, these double doubles off the bench are going to be harder to keep on the bench. I think. Yeah. And, and the thing, the, the, the thing with Kelly that I think is important to understand is that I've said this time and time again, that the LaMelo Terry backcourt is just devastating to the team defensively. And like Kelly's not the greatest defensive player in the world. In fact, it was his defense against Herder in the first game against Sacramento that actually lost them a very winnable first game against Sacramento. But he does have the deflections. He does have the want to, and he does have the length. Like you can't mm -hmm. shoot over Kelly. Now Kelly's late on some of these closeouts, but you can't shoot over Kelly like you can shoot over Terry. And he's not quite, uh, you know, the Olay defender in terms of letting guys blow by that Terry is. And so, you know, I think Terry gives you a lot offensively, but in, in previous seasons, but not this season. And so, look, desperate times call for desperate measures. I don't think Clifford would be crazy for keeping Kelly, as long as they're winning or being competitive, keeping Kelly in the starting lineup, even if Terry's ready to go. Yeah, and I was asked this, too, the other day, except for Gordon Hayward, right? Putting Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup in exchange for Gordon Hayward, which is not something that I would do if Gordon no. is healthy, especially because of team defense, because I trust Gordon to make more shots. The thing about yeah. Kelly in for Terry, it's interesting, and I get it, because Terry has not been hitting shots this year, but... Even with Terry Rozier struggling from a facilitating standpoint, playing the point guard, I mean, Kelly might be the least pass happy guy in the entire association. Right. He's not going to, so, he's not, yeah, he's not going to pass it at all. Like, he's just not he, going to do He it. absolutely refuses to pass the basketball. And that's something that will also affect the starting lineup. So if LaMelo gives it up, more likely than not, Kelly's going to get a good shot because LaMelo gave it up. Maybe he dribbled in the paint and then kicked it out, whatever. 
but you better hope it's a good shot because it because it's flying and then also kelly mm-hmm. might attack and the consistency while i do think he's increased his attacking which is great and i've praised him for it the efficiency is still exactly where it's been pretty much his entire career i i want to give terry the benefit of the doubt that once everybody is healthy and mm-hmm. certainly the hornets are more healthy now that okay maybe you plug him into his old role and i'd still start terry with kelly coming off of the bench and i understand what you guys are saying i i'm I'm giving terry more the benefit of the doubt here that he'll shoot more to what he was the last couple of years and not at the 30 percent line what he's doing right now and you make the interesting observation that kelly doesn't pass and one thing that nick richards has not been good at this season although he did do this in this previous in this game against sacramento is pass the basketball nick actually was looking to kick out i was i was like amazed he he had three really good passes in this game he had two assists overall but three really good passes that i have not seen nick richards make if he continues to do that to me that unlocks an avenue for him to assume the starting role for Mason Plumley because that's the problem if you start both Kelly and Nick. People like to sort of say, well, you know, just start your five best guys. Well, well, sometimes that kind of messes things up in terms of balance, in terms yeah. of things you need. And if you start both Kelly and Nick, then all of a sudden, really, LaMelo has to do all of the facilitating, and there's nobody to facilitate to him to open up some catch-and-shoot opportunities. So that's that's an interesting observation. Like, like starting Kelly and Nick would probably present some problems. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a nice option to have. You look at that starting lineup, and I think it was the closing one as well, but the length that the Hornets are able to put out there on the court with a Lamelo and Kelly backcourt. <laughs> I mean, think of all the years we had just, you know, six feet tall guys at both spots, and you throw them out there with, you know, take your pick. It's usually going to be Plumley, but PJ's out there too. We could talk a little bit about him because PJ has been struggling. Uh, but, My you know, own. with Hayward and, and that big unit out there, it helps them. I think close out some of those possessions like we talked about. And when you've got Kelly being as aggressive as he, as he is on the boards, uh, that that's what they need. But like, you're not going to keep Terry off the court if he's healthy at the end of games, I don't think just because of, of his shot making ability. So, um, you know, it's a nice problem to have for Clifford to finally have some of these guys coming back. But I think probably you're right, Walker. I mean, Kelly Oubre feels like his role is, you know, spark plug off the bench. And if you need him to play bigger minutes, he can. Now, the, the only other caveat or the only other argument I guess you could have against it is Kelly has been vocal about wanting to start before a couple of different times. I I would think just because Terry hasn't been in that position until Devontae Graham came aboard, right? Like, like Terry talked about the difference in role that he had to experience when Devontae just started balling out of nowhere at the beginning of the season and Terry's supposed to be point guard. Then Terry moves to combo guard and it's actually way better for his career. And so it's a lot easier to take that in that role change when it's better for your career in the second half of that season that Devontae took over. But is Terry also willing to go to the bench if, if he is, maybe you just make a, well, Kelly is going to throw a fit if he does, um, doesn't start, and Terry's not. Maybe you just make that call, but that that's kind of the interesting psychology part about it. Well, Clifford said after the game that Kelly Oubre, his his read on it is that Kelly Oubre doesn't care whether he starts or is, is off the bench. So I, I don't know if Clifford is misreading that or if there's been some miscommunication there, but according to Clifford, mm-hmm. Kelly does not care whether he starts or comes off the bench. The problem is that Kelly Oubre plays a lot differently 
when he's starting versus when he's on the bench. And it really is the difference between Tsunami Father and Tsunami Poppy. When he's off the bench, it's all pull-up threes. It's all dependent on whether or not he's shooting the three-point shot very well, which is something they need, to be fair. I mean, they shot terrible. Other than LaMelo in this game, they shot terribly from three, and it almost cost them the game, a game in which Sacramento was gifting them missed free-throw shots, just like Denver. You know they can't come through with enough threes. Had they had they been on fire from three, this game would have been out of reach way earlier. It wouldn't have even been a contest. So they need that. Uh, but Kelly plays a lot better when he's a starter than when he's off the bench. And so you know I think it's something we have to monitor as the as the season continues. But they both made a case, I think. All right, we'll empty the notebook from Doug on everyone at boxscore.com. We talked about PJ struggling. Jalen McDaniels also didn't have it in this game. We did have a nice finish from Teo Maladon, so we'll get to all of that coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. More analysis on plenty of the other players coming up. This episode is brought to you by betonline.net, and it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup that just finished. You could have bet on that. We've got it all on betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, I hope you do. You can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. More to come, Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. I got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continuous success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which I would love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Doug, turn the notebook upside down and just shake it all out, baby. Let's see all the notes you have from that game against Sacramento. What are some other things that you wanted to talk about today? Oh, someone needs to check Nick Richards' hands for stick'em because in that first half, he was catching everything. It was anti-Bismack Biombo. I mean, he could not drop a <laughs> basketball. They were trying, you know, Sacramento was deflecting. It didn't matter. Bam, bam, bam. He looked like Dennis Rodman in the last dance documentary. <laughs> looked like Clifford <laughs> Franklin in the replacements, yeah. Catching I don't get that reference, but I'll trust you. Thank you for laughing. That was a good immediate sympathy laugh response. <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> uh, hey, shout out to Steve Clifford. Got his 300th win, and yeah. uh, he is four away from Bristow's franchise record. So congrats to Clifford. Yeah, Steve Clifford getting that. It's weird. We just talked about Paul Silas because of his passing, being the best Hornets coach of all time. And there hasn't been a ton of like long stretches, you know, and it wasn't mm-hmm. just because of his passing, right? Paul Silas mm-hmm. is the best Hornets coach of all time. I didn't want to mm-hmm. make it seem like that was the only reason, but Clifford's 300 Alan Bristow. He's at 304. Dave Cowens has the best regular season. Well, no, no, of all sorry, time. sorry. So, 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 so 300 wins for Clifford all time, like including Orlando. Right. And right. so I, I don't know what the exact number is on the on the Hornets franchise, but Brist, but he's four away from Bristow. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and I wasn't making that clear, but just interesting to see how Clifford he's going to approach that. I mean, if we if he has another season, I guess, which you know is not a foregone conclusion, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, Clifford is the uh, Clifford is the Dell Curry 
of this conversation and Paul Silas is the Kimball Walker. You know, it's just like longevity versus <laughs> that was a know, real revelation world. for David. <laughs> wow. Was... Never thought about it that way. <laughs> you really wow. like that. Yeah. Uh let's see. What are some other takes from this game? I mean, Teo was really good. We haven't talked about Teo yet. Oh, Rapide Sonk just coming in and sealing the game after LaMelo fouls out, seals it with free throws, but also had seven rebounds in this game. Teo with an amazing defensive rebound percentage of twenty six point nine percent, which for a um, guard is is nuts. Some LaMelo Teo minutes we saw in this one. Yeah. So you don't have Terry Rogier really the only ball handlers that I trust to make anything happen in this game. It is one LaMelo ball and Teo Maladon and those guys being on the floor together. I liked it. Um, yeah, man, Teo, it's interesting, right? Because you're starting to get more healthy. You did not have Terry Rozier in this game. That matters when it comes to the rotation, but Teo should not be out. I mean, when, when Terry enters back, I, I know it's going to be tough to divvy up all those minutes in the backcourt, but I trust Teo with the basketball in his hands, and I think that proved to be true at the end of this game. Oh, that's yeah, a little bit of solid. a French connection, Lamelo and, uh, and and Teo, because Lamelo's middle name is. Oh, there La you France. go, La France. Yeah, oh, I was gosh. trying to, I was struggling to make it work, but there you go. Anything else, Doug, in the notebook? Oh, well, uh, David, what were you trying to say? Oh no, I just made a horrible joke that Lamelo's middle name was Teo. So, go oh. ahead. <laughs> Uh, what else is in the notebook? I mean, you know, I thought uh, Nick Richards, yeah, outplayed Mason Plumley in the first half, but Mason had a good third quarter, you know, came out uh, trying to save his job, playing like he tried to save his job. P.J. Washington, uh, not good in this game. Uh, and David is a revealed, new dad. Is a new dad, yeah, though. Right. David so, revealed to me uh, pre-show that he's people. a new dad. Got to give the, him some – I know that was the personal reason. And I'm, I've been big on using babies as excuses. Oh yes. He has an out. He has a baby. He has a baby. I have to, I have to admit he's got a, he's got at least, he's got at least a sixth month window. (laughs) Um, At least the thing about PJ in this game for me, and, and it's actually representative of the entire team. Even with Terry being out, this team is obviously getting more healthy with LaMelo and Gordon, right? PJ Washington is struggling mightily shooting the basketball. I know defensively also there were some struggles against Harrison Barnes at, at more t- towards the end. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. think he was atrocious defensively throughout. I just thought there were some defensive possessions against Harrison Barnes, but he went one of six field goal attempts are back down, right? Like Kelly fired up 25 shots. LaMelo shot. 19 Gordon Hayward gave you 12 and PJ shot six and hit the one three pointer. I I actually thought in the first half specifically, I thought his floor game was actually kind of good. To be honest with you, he had some really nice passes when he dribbled it in and, and dumped it off to Nick Richards and dumped it off to cutters. I thought PJ looked more comfortable out there and the shots just not falling that shot. Absolutely not even close to comfortable, but this gives me hope that PJ can be a little bit more confident with the basketball in his hands and not have to hot potato it out because he did make nice passes. Cause I did think he was making the right decision, filling in the gaps when guys would cut, he would go to the right spot. And if you're missing all of your shots, it's nice to only take six instead of 12 or 13 or 17. And so 
I'm holding out hope, man. Like this is the, cause it has to work for PJ, right? If you're going to go back into your role of not taking as many shots and you're still shooting 30% from three and your two point percentage is way down at that point, it becomes a real, real issue season long. But I think that's why this offense, I don't know about you guys. It just looked a lot better, right? Like not only was LaMelo making a bunch of shots, but it just looked a lot better from the game right from the start. And that's something Steve Clifford talked about. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I lo- I love his rebounding in this game. You know, if I'm if I'm yeah. going to pick a bright spot, it's something I've hammered on him this whole season was that he wasn't rebounding effectively enough, and and did so. So um, he has. Well, a I'm not even just Kudos. talking about team offense, right? Like I did think that the offense it looked a lot better to me because I feel like people are doing what they're supposed to be doing more so in this game. You know. It, it's it's Gordon giving you the the half court tough shot. Hey, bail us out! It's Lamelo taking you off of the dribble and just shooting some of the crazy hot potato threes. It's it's Kelly coming in and firing away, which is what he's going to do. It just looked more like Hornets basketball last year than we had seen all season, in my opinion. And I, that's a huge part as to why they got the win. I don't know if it looked familiar to you guys at all. Oh yeah, I mean, I think Lamelo again come back and get more comfortable. You know, um, man, he, he, I think he's going to play with his wrist and probably his ankle, I guess, for the rest of his career now. And every time I see it, it, it freaks me. At out. least he's smiling. I, you know, when they cut to him on the bench, you he's messing with it. At least he's like smiling and laughing. I mean, that's that's the only thing you can take comfort with. Exactly. I, if there's one, you know, downside to the offensive game last night, it's that secondary punch, whether it's off the bench or in PJ. Like he and Jalen McDaniels. Uh, you know, there was a couple opportunities for threes and they're just coming up short. They're not able to hit zero uh, three-pointers off the bench for the Hornets last night. So LaMelo came up big there. But yeah, I mean, everything else was clicking. You just, PJ in his role, right? In a game like that, he's just kind of kind of pick his spots if it's not happening for him on offense. Got to dig on defense. That, that Harrison Barnes cover is, is a bit of a tough one uh, for PJ, I think. Barnes can still move just a little bit better. Uh, but you know, uh, you gotta hope he's going to bounce back. And again, he just had a kid guys. I mean, come on. That's, <laughs> then uh, there you go. Yeah. He has a baby. I mean, I gotta, yeah. you know, as much as it pains me, I, <laughs> I took all those excuses. So yeah, I'm still taking them. I still have a baby. Um, I was gonna, you do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I got two more things in the notebook. One of them is monk and one of them is miracle. Which one do you want first? Oh my God. I don't want to hear what you have to say about Monk. Don't do this. To me. <laughs> Just don't. it's good. Oh man, it's Walker, good. You're. I was following your tweets as I always do during the game, but I could just see you smiling as you were punching in the the, the Malik Monk is getting whatever he I, wants. Watching, he's going into the lane. He's making it happen. Watching Lamelo guard or watching Malik guard Lamelo and Lamelo drive by him. Oof. It was. It was like I don't. What do I do here? Do I cheer? Do mm-hmm. I not? Mm-hmm. I, I ultimately well, that, that, side that, on that, cheering. That, that, that's like the Spider-Man meme with those two oh, guys just pointing right. at each other. 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, if, it, if it's good, go ahead, Doug. Let's hear the Malik Monk thing first. Well, so we got the report from Ashley Shahamady on the sidelines that she talked to Steve Clifford, and, and Steve Clifford alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, Monk uh, had, had approached him during his time with the Lakers and essentially said, hey, Clifford, I get it. I get what you were trying to say. Uh, you know, I wasn't ready uh, for, for the NBA and, you know, I've matured a lot. I've learned from those mistakes and he's obviously having a great year mm-hmm. uh, in Sacramento and good for him. Now he didn't have a great game, four of 13, one of six from three I was, on, on a, on a lot of usage. He had the ball in his hands a ton. Uh, so, you know, 
yeah, which I appreciate. You know, Started Frank Kaminsky. Good. I appreciate it, Doug. That was that was fun at first. Well, for look, I mean, Frank Kaminsky <laughs> came in in the previous game and torched the Hornets and got the revenge game. So I appreciate Monk doing doing his former coach a solid and not having a huge game off the bench. But uh, yeah, you know, Malik Monk, he's he's doing things in Sacramento. I'll give it up to him. I he just he proves me right. See, that's what I appreciate. Monk proves oh, me right. I know you're. I said it the whole that. time. He wasn't ready for the or, NBA. You know. He wasn't ready for the NBA. It, you know, everybody was like 19 years old, 19 years old. It's like, yeah, but he wasn't ready. And, you know, he had to go to a different team. Kind of a little bit of a shades of book night a little bit. I mean, we might be talking the same thing about book night in a few years. You know, just coming in, not ready, needing a change of scenery, needing a See, last chance. This is chance what you do. NBA even when you want to be good, even when you want to talk good, right. then you bring this out of me. And Sorry, I'm a truth teller. Talk- no, you, you, you want to <laughs> say that you're proven right. Yes, it, it is. It is true. That because he improved in the NBA, except with a different team, he did go to a different team. Like maybe he could have done it with the Hornets, but I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. He was awesome in the paint and then was not hitting as the game would go on. What's your last uh, uh, notice in the notebook? Well, so they're in Sacramento. The game was close. So, so of course, the the Bally's broadcast is going to hammer the miracle after midnight. I still am not getting any credit for it on the broadcast. I, I came up with miracle after midnight. It's getting ridiculous, folks. I just, you know, where is my check in the mail? It is my lasting legacy to my children. Uh, you know, miracle after midnight, I came up with it. I just had to get that on the broadcast. I got people got to know. That that was that I did that, and they won't give me any credit for it. So I don't. So Doug's last two parting shots are: I w- I like Malik for proving me right, and I right. came up with Miracle After Midnight. Those well, and then and right. then you know EC, we love EC on the show. We love EC. Okay, we love EC. Um, but he. <laughs> He, he he said he changes it to mellow after midnight. So I think they're trolling me. They don't, I don't know. I don't really not got. I didn't get the credit. Yeah, they skirting, changed it on they're me. They're skirting the trademark for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, you know. What They'll are you be do, hearing. Doug? Don't, just, don't, just, don't to, just to clarify, Walker, I was also on that show where Doug coined this phrase, but he never brings that up. So if he ever brings up something that then turns into a, a, a saying on your show, just <laughs> yeah, know that you will get no you will get no credit for that. Either. David, I honestly never hear about you during those no, 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 ever. No, no. <laughs> did you even do locked on hornets or are you just like one of doug's friends we no i just kept calling i just kept yeah. on the live show got in the chat and then worked my yeah. way up you just you just called in when you were about to hit a 17 year old in traffic exactly. and just wanted to share some hornets thoughts shout That's out to the person doing. on twitter who who mentioned me on that with some traffic wreck in nashville that i was nowhere near i don't know doug i don't know if you saw this but they asked if i was on the streets because some pedestrians got no pedestrians were hit okay at any point <laughs> While I was driving right. slash doing the podcast. Right. Shout out. That happened near my neighborhood. And uh, luckily, um, the guy uh, that got hit is uh, recovering. <laughs> but uh, anyway. All right. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. No, all right. That was in Doug's notebook. It is now done. Thanks for making us your first listen. Thanks uh, for making us your first, but make your second listen. Locked on sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again to David Walker and Doug Branson. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Bally's, you're on my list. 